here we are again with week two. Um, often when we don't finish a podcast on time, you guys told us you wanted it 25 minutes, and we shoot for that, don't we? Maybe close to it. Close. <laughs> Sometimes we're over 30. Um, again, we've got Nate Farrell with us. Nate, Man. tell us a little bit more about you. Well, appreciate you guys uh, inviting me back for a second week, and i um, Excited to hear just the explosion in your downloads over the yes, last week. Yes, I'm, I'm thousands, I'm sure, thousands. <laughs> thousands upon thousands. I think um, it's because he said he was going to replace me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we won't do that, though. But um, <laughs> No, glad to be back with you guys. And um, uh, like I said last week, I work here at, the, at Brook Hills. I'm the singles minister and work with our men's ministry and uh, now podcast co-hosts. So. Well, Chris was uh, telling us before we started recording about some of our international listeners. Give us some stats on that. Let me tell you something, um, and I, this kind of blew my mind, but would you believe we have listeners in Ireland, France, Sweden, the U.K., and Canada? Wow. I hope they listen in English. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's awesome. Yes. I mean, I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, but it's pretty cool. Well, a friend of ours from South America was up a couple of w- weeks ago, and I'd, I'd looked at the stat sheet and saw we had zero listeners in um, in South America, so I, I really pushed it on him, and he didn't even know what a podcast was. He has a smartphone, but I told him, I said, look, we need international listeners. <laughs> Wrong continent, but yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, I know we had zero yeah. in South America, so we need to boost that as well. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that kind of blows my mind. I mean, yeah. it's really, really cool. And, and, of course, we can look at stats and get down into, like, the actual cities, and um, it gets really interesting. It's not just a, a country code. It's legit. So yes. It's but, cool. um, you know, in all seriousness, this podcast is designed for Brook Hills small group leaders, but we say Brook Hills and beyond. So if there's mm-hmm. anybody from another church that – would uh, enjoy listening to that. I hope that you'll get something out of it. It is primarily targeted toward Brook Hill small group leaders, but um, we're sure that some of the things we share are things that would apply in lots of other churches. So I hope you'll enjoy that as well. So how about we jump into some content? We uh, did the first five last week. Let me just review those really quickly. We talked about loving people, how important that is. Nate shared with us that prayer is oxygen, and prayer is so important for... um, You know, if you're a new leader, don't forget to pray. That's so important. Number three, you don't have to be perfect. Chris shared about that, and that's certainly true. We want to be on a journey, let people know we're on a spiritual journey journey with them. Number four was challenge people. Don't be afraid to lean into people's lives and challenge them to take their next spiritual step. Number five was involving people in mission efforts and how that can really help in their discipleship. And number six, Chris is going to bring to us. Yeah, and I I hate to start off kind of heavy, but... This one, to me, is really vital. Uh, as a small group leader, we have to know when to go into crisis mode. Absolutely. And so what I mean by that is there's really kind of, there's four things I want to cover here quickly. Um, you have to know what to listen for. So what I mean by that is uh, you, when you're hearing your small group members communicate prayer needs and prayer requests and things that are on their heart and things that are burdening them, um, even if they're praises, Listen for things that would cause you to question, you know, is there something deeper going on there? Do I need to I might put you on the spot here, but do you have any examples without saying too much? I do, but okay. I could talk for a couple hours on oh, them. Oh, and, oh, okay. Um, but, yeah, okay, so one example was uh, we had an adoption in a group um, that I was a small group leader of, and uh, that adoption had some very, very deep very, very um, painful 
underlying issues. And once I realized what was going on and dug into it, um, I realized that there was there was some serious pain there that uh, needed to be addressed. Not that I could fix it or anything, but just being able to to talk about it and share about it and and know that we're praying for praying over it um, was helpful to that to that uh, family. Um, so yeah, so you need to know what to listen for, um, and you have to understand as well that your presence is much more valuable than presence. And what I mean by that, uh, it's kind of an old adage that you hear often for birthday parties, um, is that we can do nice things for our, our small group members, and even our members can do nice things for each other, but just being there, whether it's for in good times or bad, is, is so much more valuable to that person that's in need mm. um, or, or that is suffering or um, that is experiencing joy um, than any tangible gift could be. Let me bring up an issue right here. Um, I agree with you that presence, physical presence, is so important. But wow, during this pandemic that we're in, so often it's hard it is. to be in somebody's presence. Like if, if one mm-hmm. of my members goes in the hospital, it's like, nope, you can't go. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah. How do we compensate? Yeah. Um, well, presence isn't just physical presence sometimes. It's also just being there emotionally by being on the phone, text messages, email, um, just any way you can communicate that you're there with them spiritually. Okay. Um, and we'll get on that a little bit here in the very last point I wanted to make. Uh, so presence is more important than presence, but meals and service are also great too. <laughs> that's my next one. So, like man. a good Southern Baptist, Amen. right? Meals are important. Listen, nothing's more loving than showing up when somebody's hurting with a with a meal already made. And listen, I've 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 got community around me that loves to bring breakfast also, and it's like oh, I love you. <laughs> you know what I mean? So they're bringing dinner and breakfast. Um, just being there and serving a need that. Well, let me just stop there. Don't ever ask, how can I help? Because that's the person point. that's suffering is not going to know how to answer that question. Instead, just know. You should already because you know what to listen for. You know, another thing, often our pride keeps us from saying, yeah, hey, yeah. would you do this for me? And we feel like we're imposing on people. But yeah. in, a, in a small group, we should have that kind of love and that kind of relationship that that we don't mind saying, would you please do this for us? But you know, we're talking to leaders today, so realize our people aren't going to say that. If the grass is tall, just go get your mower and cut it. <laughs> right, right. Just be there. I mean, if you, if you know that there's a, there's a need that needs to be taken care of, just take care of it, even if it's financial. There's so many stories there we could get into that are just amazing. Um, and then lastly, I wanted to mention, and something that Nate talked about uh, in our previous episode, our new co-host, Nate, um, <laughs> he talked about prayer above all. Um, prayer in person, but prayer also over the phone. So this was foreign to me. I had never experienced this before until about four or five years ago. Um, is someone praying over the phone with me? I, I, I thought, that's kind of awkward. Like, But it was beautiful, too. Um, and so you, you mentioned that you can't be at the hospital with somebody. You can't be in places because of COVID. Um, but being willing to kind of put your own pride in the back pocket and say, can I pray over the phone with you? And then just do what you would normally do. Um, it might seem awkward at first, but yeah, praying over the phone is really seconds. easily. It, <laughs> yeah. It's really easy. Yeah, and, um, you'll get used to it if it feels awkward, but it means so much to people to hear, like you said, Chris, to hear prayers for them. Absolutely. All right, Jay. Next All right, up. number seven is share the workload. Oh, and I'm terrible if, at this. <laughs> you know, so often, I mean, we can run ourselves to death if we try to do everything the group needs to do. You know, I've heard it described like a football game. There are 
80,000 people in the stands watching 22 guys kill themselves. And, <laughs> you know, as a small group leader, we can be on the field killing ourselves. But um, find ways to give things away. And a lot of times we need to look for somebody's passion. If somebody in your group has a passion for missions, let them be your missions coordinator and coordinate mission activities for the group. And I just want to say the first thing I always give away is somebody to write down the prayer request or type them in their phone or whatever and ask them to share those with the group in the coming week. And that way it helps connect people that miss. They'll know what prayer requests are, are there and what's going on. And I'll slip in one other thing. If I give people uh, uh, in my group a specific challenge, I'll ask my prayer coordinator to slip that in as well. That way we're giving a reminder of, hey, don't forget this week we're supposed to, or you know, mm-hmm. you agree, you talked about doing this. So that's another thing. But sharing the workload is really, really important. Yeah, if I could just emphasize, um, Nate, we'll let you talk here just a minute, I promise. <laughs> I'm just I'm taking notes, soaking in all this wisdom. I'm going to be a much better leader. Actually, we, we scheduled this kind of round robin, and, um, you know, it, it's like Nate got in some more points in the first one, but uh, yeah. we've, we've made him be quiet here. So he's not really a guest. He's a, it's not uh, w- a, a welcome co-host. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, so I'm terrible at delegation, and you know why? Because of pride. You know, I, I would love for someone else to take notes, but are they going to take notes my way? I would love for someone else to schedule social events, you know, put on the calendar, but are they going to be the events that I want to be scheduled? Or, you know, are they going to do our Facebook page the way I want them to do? Or, and you know what? Guess what? It's not all about me. It's not about me. Yes, I'm the small group leader, but I just got to be there and lead. There's so many other gifted people in my group that I may not even acknowledge that they have these gifts, and if I can just delegate these things out and let them have them, then they can grow themselves into becoming leaders in other ways. So, yeah, I think I'll just jump in and say to that point, you know, something somebody told me one time that's always been really, I've always kept that in, in mind is, you know, it's good to delegate and empower other people for, for ministry in your group. But also, you know, it's not just a batter of needing to get things off my plate as a small group leader. And mm-hmm. so you may be hearing this and saying, well, I mean, I, every, I've, I have the capacity to do everything I need to do. But, you know, I think sometimes, you know, when we do when we do that and hold on to all those things, we actually are, are taking opportunities for the people in our group to be able to use their gifts and to serve and to have opportunities to, to kind of step up to the plate. And that was just something I've, I've really, you know, I never really thought about it in terms of like preventing opportunities for the Lord to use, um, you know, just a, a small opportunity to, to take ownership in something in your group as a means of someone growing in discipleship or in their giftings or otherwise. And so it's just a, it's a good way as a leader to, to remember, you know, that, that part of, of my role is helping bring others up and empower others, and that's one way to do that. Mm, Before we move into the next point, I just want to say there was one, one year long ago at another church I was working with a leader who was interested in leading, and we got right up to the point of releasing him, and he said, I just don't think that I can do it. And I said, well, have you had opportunities to lead in your small group in the last year or two? And he said, uh, no, none. And I went, oh. <laughs> so I tell my leaders, if you're going to be there 52 weeks a year, do not lead your group 52 weeks a year. Let some other people do that because, like Nate was saying, and that was such a valid point, um, we're, we're equipping people and training them up to be disciples and to fulfill their calling. And often, you know, we give them some small chances to grow in that and step into that. Absolutely. And the other part I was going to add, too, on this point is that if you find yourself trying to delegate and you're met with silence, 
that's when you get to go back to your point of challenge and you can start saying, okay, so here, we're going to do this a little bit differently now. I need someone to take notes. So, hey, will you take notes next week? And then next week, will you take notes? And then you just start calling people out. Um, and then you'll you'll kind of have a natural process of knowing who actually will do it and do it well. Yes, sometimes an invitation to everybody is an invitation to nobody. And exactly. so yes. see it that way. <laughs> you said that much better than I would have. All right, Nate, number eight. Number eight, be intentional. So mm. what do we mean by that? That's a word that we like to throw around a lot about everything. You know, intentional is pretty vague. But when it comes to leading a small group, um, you know, I think about it just in terms of um, having a really uh, a really good plan in place of um, where you want to go as a small group. You know, one of the things that um, I've started doing over the last few years with my small group and, and encouraging our leaders to do as well is um, from the beginning of starting a group. So if you're starting a new group and a new leader, um, having everyone in your group uh, together really sit down and define, okay, what, you know, where is it that we want to go as a small group? What are we committing to as a small group? You know, Brook Hills, um, you know, you think about our churches, you know, the direction we're moving as a church. So we want to be a church that loves Jesus, grows in Jesus, and makes disciples of Jesus. So as a small group, that's a you good... You get extra points for putting <laughs> that in. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm shooting for those extra points. As a, as a small group, right, that's our that's our big picture aim, too, is we want to do that. And then we break that down even more with the, um, with the we are statements. And, um, you know, thinking through, like, practically, how does that look for our small group? Are we all on the same page to committing to this? And I found it so helpful you know, to define those things in the beginning and say, like, what are the expectations for us as a small group? Are we, um, you know, are we, is the expectation that we, uh, you know, that we're going to be here, that we're going to, um, you know, hold one another accountable in the word, that we're going to encourage one another, we're going to bear burdens, and setting that from the beginning and having everybody on the same page from the beginning uh, is so much easier than getting six months down the road and realizing, man, we really should have got everybody to, you know, say that they're coming to small group at least once every six <laughs> months, you know, like, um, you know, kind of kind of um, setting those those expectations and everyone in agreement on those and then setting the long term trajectory. So really knowing where you want to go as a small group, where do you want to be six months from now? Where do you want to be a year from now? And, you know, a lot of that's kind of big picture things and it may it's going to look different from small group to small group because you have people in your small group and every person is different every person is in a different place in their walk with the lord and so you as a a leader have been entrusted to you know evaluate and make those decisions um and so set a target you know where are we going as a small group and then just evaluating that periodically you know sitting back in every six months or so just sitting down and saying how how are we doing on these goals that we've set as a small group are we you know are we growing in um, you know, in our time in the Word and prayer together? Are we growing in fellowship? You know, that's a, uh, are we growing in deep relationships? I think that's probably the biggest thing I hear from small group leaders is, you know, our small group just, uh, we're really, um, we're really not to that place where we're just, uh, you know, we're in really deep relationship with one another. And um, that takes time, you know, it, that doesn't happen in, in six months or sometimes even a year. And it's a, a long journey. And so I think having a target um, to where you're going is, is a much better approach than getting somewhere and then trying to figure out if that's where you're aiming or not. Mm. And one of our things Good. is, you know, the ultimately we want to make disciples. And so I challenge my leaders to, to think about what is a disciple? What, does, what is a picture of a disciple? And one of the things we do in basics is, uh, is, is just look at that. And I ask the group, hey, write down some of the characteristics of a disciple of Jesus Christ. 
And then, you know, we need to look where are we as a leader in that and where is our group in that. And one one other neat factor that that, that, that can lead to, and Nate talked about being intentionally and headed toward a direction, once we identify what a disciple is and compare our group to that picture, it helps us know what kind of focus we need to have in some of the teaching and curriculum planning in our group in the next year or so. If um, if one of your identifications of a leader is uh, or a, of a of a disciple is somebody that shares the gospel, and our people aren't doing that, well, hey, maybe we uh, equip them with a plan of how to share the gospel, and so. Those type of things, the intentionality can help feed into a curriculum plan and what we do with our leaders. All right. So moving on here to number nine, Jay. And I kind of cheated and fudged into that did, and talking about yeah. equipping the word I equipping. Trying to segue and it, I couldn't make it happen. <laughs> I, I, I was waiting out. on you. I mean, I, <laughs> I was just staring at you. Like, I wasn't looking at our notes to see I was the next person. So here we go. Number nine. Tip number nine for new leaders is equip for ministry. Don't just teach. And I realize I said something about that, you know, in last week's episode as well. But um, do have we equipped our people to start spiritual conversations? And often I'll I'll say that more so than sharing the gospel. I don't want to challenge people to share the gospel every week because, you know, people we talk to might not be ready for that, and we don't want to beat people on the head with that. We want to build a relationship with people and look for the the right opportunity. And so I challenge people to start spiritual conversations. But one of the things I think is important, sometimes we're afraid to start spiritual conversations, is because if the door opens up, we're not ready to share the gospel. And so if we equip Mm. our people to be ready to share the gospel, then they're not afraid to start spiritual conversations in case Mm. that door is opened up. But um, what about discipling others? I tell you, I'm reading a book, almost finished, called Discipleship Uncomplicated by Warren Hayes. He's a, a professor out at, at Gateway Seminary in California. And, man, it's just the basics. I can't wait to give a few copies to some of our people here. But it's just the basics of how to have influence, how to have spiritual influence on another person and, and discipling them. And so I think that's important. Um, I know I'm on a, on a ramble here, but one other thing I want to say is that um, here at Brook Hills, we would love our groups to teach the three circles because many of our ministries here, not just small groups, use that. And, you know, there's not a magic gospel presentation at all, but the three circles is a good, simple presentation. We encourage our leaders to share that with their group, teach it to their group once a year. And if you're not ready to do that, we have some people that will come in and do that. I did that for a, a Wednesday night group about a year ago. And out of five couples in that group, only one had ever heard of the three circles. But by the end of the session, one of those people who had never heard of it got up on the board and did the presentation. So that's how easy and simple. I've been through things like EE before where you have to memorize, I'm making this up, 34 verses, you know, before <laughs> you share the gospel. And it, it doesn't need to be that complicated. Gotcha. All right, so our number 10 small group leader tip for new small group leaders is I'm trying to do this book build up in a drum roll. Maybe it's too <laughs> I late. I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> plan outside activities. And I, their monthly is written here. I mean, I'm just going to say plan outside activities. There you go. So, what I mean by that daily? is daily? Uh, I don't know about daily. Okay. <laughs> but, but you could delegate that to somebody else. There you go. Yeah. Uh, but just 
make make it intentional to get together with your group outside of small group. In other words, live life together. Um, and you can do this many different ways. We've talked about yeah, you can do it local missions, um, how you're going to do it by just serving one another. Um, but just making sure that you can spend time together at least once a month um, in a context. Now, I understand coronavirus. We really can't do this right now unless we're socially distanced and whatnot. But I have an example of how you could do this if we weren't living in a pandemic right Let's now. Let's hear it. Okay, three words. Kitty pool kickball. <laughs> I, was like, could be I can't words. wait to hear what this is. So we did this uh, in my old small group, and it was just wonderful. It was our, you have to understand the makeup of our old group. We had uh, we blossomed from nine families and twenty kids to roughly twenty seven families and ninety one children. That's between a, us. I start wow. to say that's a small church. That's a medium sized church. That's a small community. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but what we would do for fun is uh, during the summer months is we would set up kitty pool kickball, and this basically meant that you had four full size kitty pools. And we're talking about the ones that, like, it would take me to step over and climb into. Um, And those would be inflated and filled up with water. And then we would have lanes set up, just like baseball lanes, uh, where they're of some slick plastic of some kind, uh, in the size of a baseball field. Um, I have a question. Did any adults get hurt in the uh, playing of this game? You know, let's just move on. Okay. Um, (laughs) There was a lot of fun that's been had, I'll say that. Um, but basically we set it up to where it was, uh, there were one game was, you know, boys versus girls. And then you had kids versus parents, uh, which usually end up being kids versus dads. Um, but man, it's so much fun because you basically have a oversized kickball, like an oversized inflatable ball. And you're just playing kickball, except every plate, uh, first base, second base, third base and home plate was a kiddie pool and you had to dive into it. Man, oh, you had was to dive it into fun. It. Okay. Not dive, but you know, you had yeah, to jump yeah, into okay. it. Yeah. It was so much fun. The kids loved it. You had awesome community during the process. Um, and there's always, you know, there was always food everywhere to eat. And um, it ended up turning into a, a you know, there's bubbles everywhere because we were using dish soap or something that was, you know, wasn't going to hurt the skin of the kids, um, you know, to make bubbles everywhere and whatnot. It was just yeah. a lot of fun. Um, well, we'll all share our fun things then. Um, yeah. My group, I mean, we're a little bit older and a little bit more lame, but... You said it, not us. Yes, yes, I did. We love uh, cards and board games and, like, Phase 10, Ticket to Ride, Catan, stuff like that. And um, uh, my co-leader introduced us to a game recently, actually two different games, where... um, Actually, you win by lying and cheating. And so uh, it's. No, I was talking uh, about that, Jay. Int- I have to introduce <laughs> yeah. you to that game. It's really fun in a Christian audience. Seriously? Nate, Nate, what have y'all done that's really fun? Well, we've been a little more um, holy than that, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No lying or stealing that I know of. Um, yeah, we do a few things. I think, you know, one thing is more kind of ministry wide, but I think this worked great for a small group, too, is we have a softball team. Um, oh, that, fun. You know, plays. Oh, by the way, what's your record this year? Well, we don't really want to talk about that. We're really more there to have fun, but what our, is it? Isn't it five and zero or something like oh, that? Oh no, no, yeah, we're more like three and three. Oh, but last I heard, it was three and zero, and I was. So I assumed you were. We started out on a good strong okay. note. Um, <laughs> kind of hit some, you know, kind of mid-season slump. Never got Just out of it. Judgment-free zone. You're, that's you're right. Good. You're here we are, but we have fun together, and that's what's really important here on the great groups podcast. there you go um <laughs> no but yeah I, th- I think you know that's a great opportunity i think 
it's really cool because you know obviously it's a great fellowship time get, get this band and get to know folks but also we're part of the city league and so there's a lot of really cool opportunities to get meet meet people mm-hmm. within our city and you know we always get to hang out with them for a little bit after the game stuff like that but that's really fun um, and then another thing I was going to throw out more one on one you know I meet with a lot of guys um, just throughout our ministry for various reasons and a lot of most of those meetings are around lunch or coffee or whatever else but I've been trying to do. Uh, more kind of active kinds of things, you know, so I don't just eat tons of lunches all the time. But, um, <laughs> you know, one of the things I've really enjoyed is disc golf. And so we'll go, you know, me and a guy or a couple guys will go and play some disc golf. And, you know, especially for men, I think doing doing something together, uh, you know, some kind of activity or work together kind of side by side is – uh, in my experience has provided a whole lot more opportunities to have really good intentional conversation and um, spiritual conversation too. So yep. that's something we've done. That's cool. Actually, I got a chance to play some golf with three other guys in my group a couple of weeks ago. So nice. don't, we're not going to talk about the score. Like Nate said, it was all about having fun. That's important. That's important. <laughs> Absolutely. No lie, we, we have four different versions of Ticket to Ride at our house. Really? <laughs> yeah, we are some big Ticket Europe's to Ride Europe's the best one, right? Europe is our favorite one. Okay. It's the most complicated. Yes. So far. All right. Well, time's uh, very near up. Some of the um, things we'd love to cover in the coming weeks, I hope you'll tune back in. Um, Love to talk about how people grow. There's a book called How Sanctification Works, and uh, we've got a guest we'd love to talk about that with. And, um, man, you know, when we first talked about the podcast, I think I've got a list of 50 things we want to cover. (laughs) And one of those coming up, had we not been sidetracked by the pandemic, we'd have been there already. But uh, great conversations, really 13 guardrails for productive conversations within your group. So there's a few things we'd love to cover. But uh, we want to remind you we've got a website. Um, Often resources we talk about will be there. It's greatgroups.org. And so we hope you'll visit there. And and please subscribe and uh, tell other group leaders about our podcast. And we would love to have you continue to listen and have new people tune in, whatever continent you're on. Yeah, if you're from France or Ireland or uh, Sweden, uh, we would love to hear from you. So uh, please reach out to us. Greggroups.org. See you there. Thanks, Nate, for being with us. Yes, thank thank you, you, Nate. Thank you, guys. (laughs) Well, that's all for this episode of the Great Groups podcast. Please do subscribe on your favorite podcast app so that you won't miss the next episode. Also, visit us online at greatgroups.org and leave a comment there. We would love to hear from you. Thanks again for listening today. We'll be back next time with a conversation that inspires you to make disciples. And that's the point of great groups. Make disciples.